Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tuesday Timeout Live on NGSCSports.com. It's Tuesday, July 7, 2015, and welcome into the show. Remind everyone about NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Visit NGSCSports.com for all the live shows, podcasts, written content, and much, much more. You can also podcast the show on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app by searching NGSC. You can get this show directly on your podcast app by going to your podcast store and searching Big Jim Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports. Those tweets are mine and only mine. Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Like the page over there. We have a great team of guys putting up content all the time. Uh, that is not just me. That is the, the group of myself and, uh, and the guys that help me co-host this show, the Tuesday Timeout. And uh, I thank them for that again. Twitter at Big Jim Sports, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. If you want to call into the show tonight, you can 724 444 7444. And the call ID 135 138. Uh, and follow the prompt to get into the, uh, into the call. Uh, if you do call, hang on the line. And I will make sure I get to you uh, when we finish our current thoughts. So, again, that number is 724-444-7444, and the call ID 135138. Going to bring in one of those co-hosts I was talking to you about. His name is Matt. Matt, welcome in tonight. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Jim? I'm uh, looking forward to being on the show this week. I think it's been a while since, since the last time, so uh, a lot yeah. is happening in the sports world. Yeah, it's been a little while since we had you on. It's been a couple weeks, actually, since I've done a live Tuesday show. Uh, we were at the uh, WWE tapings last week in in Hershey, so um, kind of get back into the swing of things here uh, myself. Our poll question for tonight, uh, and, and we, we have a couple of responses that we'll get to here in a minute uh, relating to our opening topic, which is the MLB All-Star Game, uh, and it is, do you, do you like the format? of all-star games determining home field advantage in a championship series. And then, Matt, we'll, we'll get our thoughts on that here in just a minute. But let's look at the 
MLB All-Star Game, which will be a week from tonight when we are live next Tuesday night. The MLB All-Star Game will be going on, so you can uh, you know, mute the uh, what will likely be horrible commentating and listen to this show while you're watching the game. That is, sounds like a good idea for everybody. But, uh, yeah, next Tuesday night in Cincinnati at the Great American Ballpark. Uh, let's look at the AL, though. Uh, AL first and then the NL second. Of course, uh, the the starters uh, for the for the All Star Game determined by fan voting, and, and we'll get get our thoughts on that. But the uh, the starters in the field for the American League: Salvador Perez, catcher from the Royals; Royals, uh, Miguel Cabrera, first baseman from the Tigers, who is injured, he will not play. Albert Pujols will be taking his uh, his starting spot. Uh, second baseman uh, Jose Altu from the Astros. Uh, shortstop Escobar from the Royals, Josh Donaldson from the Blue Jays is uh, the third is the starting third baseman. He was the leading vote getter overall. Your outfielders are Mike Trout from the Angels, Lorenzo Cain from the Royals, Alex Gordon from the Royals, and your DH Nelson Cruz. Uh, just in the uh, just in the in the stars, I'm not going to go over all the pitchers. Um, of course, Felix Felix Hernandez on there. Uh, one, one of the closers, uh, Zach Britton, Darren O'Day uh, from the Orioles stand out uh, for me, obviously, being an Orioles fan. But, Matt, looking over the lineups there, and, and uh, is there any kind of glaring omissions that, that you see from this AL team? Uh, for me, you know, I look at from the DH spot, um, would be A-Rod. I think he's had, a, he's had a great year, and I know, obviously, the fan vote thing, uh, what doesn't really surprise me, uh, that he doesn't make the list, not the most popular guy uh, in all of baseball. But I think he's had a good enough year, in my opinion, to uh, to to have earned a spot on the uh, on the All Star team. Yeah, I'm certainly no uh, Arod apologist or fan, but um, he is playing well this season. So he, I wouldn't have been upset had he won the fan vote and was one of the starters. But looking through. Um, if you're a fan of small market teams, you, you really have to be encouraged by this lineup. I mean, Kansas City, Houston, and Toronto, with Kansas City really dominating the starting lineup there, it's it's showing that the you know the the talent's kind of spreading out now, which is great for the sport. Yeah, it really is. And and you know, I know there's I know there's uh, you know positives and negatives, I guess, to the whole fan voting. Uh, the whole van voting thing. Um, looking at the NL, the, the starters, catcher Buster Posey from the Giants, Paul Goldschmidt from the Diamondbacks at first base, second base D. Gordon from the Marlins, Johnny Peralta at shortstop from the Cardinals, third baseman Todd Frazier from the Reds, uh, and your outfielders, leading vote-getter Bryce Harper from the Nationals, Matt Holliday from the Cardinals, who is injured. He, he is currently questionable for the game. Uh, Gian, Giancarlo Stanton, from the Marlins, he is injured and will not play. Um, Andrew McCutcheon from the Pirates will start in his place. Um, but those were the, the the starting lineups for the National League, of course, determined um, by that fan vote. And another, you know, another pretty uh, pretty strong group of guys there. So, I mean, we'll get to our thoughts here about what we. Uh, what we think about the game and, and the format and, and the kind of some of the rules behind it. But, uh, you know, in terms of actual baseball, uh, because this is an all-star game that guys do obviously care about. Uh, but, um, he, this is a, this is a, a lineup and a, and a game that 
on paper, it looks like it could be pretty good. Yeah, it'll certainly be uh, one of the more interesting games we've seen in a while. Um, not that you know that's going to really affect the viewership, but uh, if people are tuning in wanting to see a really good game, I think they will get it this time in terms of the talent on both sides. Um, the pitching on both sides is going to be tremendous. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if we get, you know, any type of scoring, I could see this being a real low scoring affair, despite all the offensive players on both sides. I think the pitching for the NL and the AL is just, I, I mean, it, it's probably the best collection I think we'll have seen in a while. Yeah, I think it could be really good. Now, of course, coming to the format that that kind of gets me on my soapbox is the uh, is the fact that that this game is what determines home field advantage, and of course, you know that that brings up the uh, the poll question. But this this game determines who, what league, the American League or the National League, gets uh, the home field in the World Series. Um, is something that was, you know, tried out back in the, you know, the nineties, early two thousands, uh, was since been made permanent. Um, obviously in 2002, the game in Milwaukee, you had the situation of, uh, in the 11th inning, both, both teams ran out of substitute players available to pitch and relief. So Bud Selig, uh, declared the game would end after, uh, after 11 innings in a tie. Um, so this is one of those things where all-star games at their core are exhibition. And, you know, now, you, now you're looking at a situation where this game means something to the particular leagues. However, you have, you know, you have the rosters that are, you know, the starting rosters are based on fan voting and you're, you're comprising a group you, know, you look at the American League; it's, it's practically half Royals, so it's the Royals versus the National League. But you know, you're 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 in a situation where you have you have you know as many, maybe if not more, guys uh, that are not even going to make the playoffs, more or less the World Series, that are determining what team gets that home field in, in the World Series. I mean, to me, the, the the notion of this is absolutely crazy. I, I've, I've never liked it. I don't like it. I, I bring it up every year, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's, you know, or whether it's here. I, I just, I've never understood, and I, and, I, and I just, I do not like, and I'll never like the, the fact that this game determines that home field. You can have a team that plays their heart out and plays, better than any team in the league. Look at the St. Louis Cardinals right now, so far ahead of anybody in their division, so far ahead of everybody else in Major League Baseball. I mean, like, pull up the standings here. You know, the Cardinals, uh, if technology cooperates with me on my iPad, um, the Cardinals well out ahead at 54 wins. There's not even another team in baseball that has 50 yet. Kansas City has 47, Houston with 49. Of course, this is at, you know, 941 on on July 7th. And the the best team, the the second best team in the National League is the one that's five and a half games behind the Cardinals, the 48 and 34 Pittsburgh Pirates. 
So unless the Astros win tonight, you're going to be less than a week away from the All-Star game, one team with 50 wins, and, and that team, it couldn't even matter what they do. They could end up playing, you know, let's pull up the wild card standings here. And, you know, you could have a team in the American League wild card that wins. You know, right now it would be the Angels and, or the Twins. So uh, let's say the Angels because they're the top. So you could have that Angels team who's seven games currently behind the Cardinals would have home field in the World Series over that team that is better than anybody just because a conglomerate group of guys in an exhibition game in the middle, in the beginning of July won that game. It, it, to me, it's it's asinine. It really is. Yeah, I mean, you, you, if memory serves me correct, and you might have mentioned this already, that the whole stipulation was added because they didn't want the games to ever end in a tie again. And, you know, the managers didn't want to keep trotting out pitchers out of fear of injuring them because they're not his pitchers, which is understandable. Um, But, you know, what's going to keep that from happening now that it counts? I mean, we could still feasibly get a tie game in extra innings and we could run out of pitchers again. You know, it could go 19, 20 innings. What are they supposed to do at that point? Right, exactly, and and if it does, here's the thing. If an all-star game ends in a tie, what does it matter? Yeah. You know, why do they even have extra innings in an all-star game? <laughs> like, I mean, really, what, what does it what does it matter? I mean, the game is is purely for entertainment. I I went to the uh, the American Hockey League all-star game a few years ago when it was in Hershey. I've never spent a more painful few hours watching hockey in my lifetime. And I've seen kids that were like five years old play hockey. Yeah. I mean, watching an all-star game is is painful. I love the skills competition the night before. Mm -hmm. I love the home run derby, but the the, the all-star games are, are are ridiculous. I've, I I don't think I've watched a pro bowl in 10 years. No, I I can't tell you the last time I did like, Steve Young is probably the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nuts. It really is. We and we we put the question out there, um, you know whether whether or not home home field should be determined based on a on an all star game. Um, uh, Jason responded once. He said, "Not even a little bit." Uh, it, he feels it has no place. Uh, Andrew co- uh, commented, "No, he thought it was one of Bud Selig's stupidest ideas." Um, you know, he points out, like we said, what's the percentage of players that will actually be playing in the World Series, especially uh, when you consider the Major League Baseball rule that each team must have a representative in the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, everybody should have a, have at least one representative. That's kind of the point. You know, you at least get the at least the best player off of every team. Uh, he yeah. says, uh, go back to alternating years for home field advantage or uh, give home field advantage to, surprise, surprise, the team that actually earned it. Um, and a couple a couple responses from Twitter. Brent, uh, at Brent B underscore PHN, says, hell yeah, NHL should do it. It would be much more entertaining. Uh, uh, Rick, say, at Rick at Just Because says, uh, putting it delicately, it's stupid. Teams put in a season worth of work at the risk of having something determined by exhibition. And Kish uh, agreed with Rick. So thank you to everyone for the uh, – oh, and uh, at Gravy Train 100, 
Records record should determine it. Let's be real. Why are guys from the Phillies helping to determine anything for the World Series? So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I echo everything that they're saying. You know, I think we're all uh, – Matt, I don't know about you, but, but I, I'm in the same page here that it, it's just to determine – home field or you know whether it's hockey or whatever home field home ice home court whatever it is to determine that based on um to base base that on uh, what happens in an all-star game is is ridiculous to me you know you you want people to care about the regular season you want people to care you know about the games being played that people are spending their money on night in night out Especially in these in these sports that go, you know, for months and months and months, eighty-two games, seventy-eight games, one hundred and sixty-two games. Well, then make the make the regular season actually mean something, not the All Star game. Because pe- people, celebrities, this and that, they're going to go to the All Star game because it's a cool environment. That's what it's about. Matt, what are your thoughts on the poll question tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with what everyone said. I mean. It, I have no problem with them basing on the record, and I don't understand why anyone would be against that. Um, you know, in terms of making this game count, because, I mean, that was the, the tagline I remember the first year that they had this rule was this time it counts. And, I I mean, I, I haven't looked up the numbers, but I doubt the viewership has risen any. So at this point, I think everyone would just be okay with them saying, you know, well, we tried this wasn't really working out, so we're going to go a different way here. And, you know, people would probably understand and appreciate it. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I've always said that the, like, the Pro Bowl, the NFL should find a way to to have um, some sort of skills competition, whether it be yeah, – I mean, I don't know how to do it. I mean, NHL – and uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, it's kind of easy to do. Uh, you know, I don't know how you do how you would do the, um, you know, how you would do that for other for other for the NFL because for other positions besides a quarterback or running back or something like that. But for me, you know, that's what I would love to see out of the NFL because you're never going to get me as a viewer. I don't really watch any of the All-Star games including the uh the NHL which which hockey is my favorite sport. Uh Matt looking at ratings here I quick pulled it up. I mean I guess the, the, this started I think they, what in the in the early 2000s so back to to 2002 the the ratings have dropped. The the ratings peaked. The highest rating it looks like there ever was was back in 1985 84. Uh, there was numbers in the low twenties, um, and I get you know, and I guess yeah, yeah. There was one. Let me look here. Ninety four had uh, twenty two million viewers, but these numbers have have actually dropped year year by year. Starting in two thousand two, two thousand three, both nine point five, two thousand four, eight point eight, spiked to uh, nine point three in two thousand and eight. But over the last couple of years, 2011, 2012, 2013, ratings numbers below seven viewers uh, at 11 million or just under. So clearly, the, the, this notion that these games meaning something 
uh, impacting whether or not people are watching it is not going hand in hand because the the first year that it meant something, and ever since then, the numbers have been coming down. I mean, they, they've been steadily declining even before then, but making the All-Star game mean something isn't working for baseball. I also think that it doesn't help that it's on a Tuesday night. Um, right. You know, I honestly think that it would probably do better uh, if you had the uh, the home run derby on a Saturday night uh, and, and, and maybe the All-Star game Sunday afternoon or, or Sunday night or maybe do the uh, home run derby on a Sunday night and then the All-Star game on Monday. I feel like a Tuesday night is just a terrible night uh, to, to, to have a, a baseball game that people are going to watch in the middle of the summer. Yeah, I mean, most sports have, like, their all-star weekends. Um, the NBA certainly does a Friday to Sunday thing. And that, I don't know the, the numbers on those either, but it, I would imagine it's probably a little higher because, you know, people are around to watch these games. And they're not, you know, oh, well, I have to get up for work in the morning. Do I really care about this? No. So I'm not going to watch the end of it, especially when the games start at, like, 830 and, you know, people are in bed by 10. Right. Yeah, and, and you know, you you have, you know, the, the coverage starts at 7. You have all these, you know, musical performances and player introductions. And then, of course, I mean, it's a fun environment. So even a, a game that's already slow is even exponentially slower. Uh, so it just, it, it, it makes it bad to watch. It's you know obviously they're not they're not rolling people in here, um, you know with the, the shared numbers, the ratings numbers, the total viewers have continued to decline, and and also too, you know, and maybe this isn't taking into account you know online viewership anything like that, but I mean clearly you know it's not it's not doing anything for the people. Uh, that this game quote means something, and and maybe you know hopefully that that if this trend continues, uh, that maybe the new commissioner um, will will change this rule. Yeah, I mean it, w- it would certainly be for the best um, to you know find a way to get people to care, and I you know good luck to you because I mean even the most entertaining of sports don't really garner big draws for their all-star games. So, um, I mean, I don't know why baseball feels like they really need to have this happen for them when, you know, every other sport just seems to be like, all right, well, this is just going to be a fun weekend and, you know, who cares? Yeah, absolutely. And Matt, just looking over some of the standings, um, you know, American League, uh, some of the races in the American League and National League, American League, uh, Orioles one and a half back, Tampa and Toronto two and a half back uh, behind the Yankees, Boston six back, uh, Kansas City really looking like they're, they they could be gaining some control of this as we're kind of past the, uh, the halfway point here, uh, 47 and 33, four and a half ahead of Minnesota, six ahead of Detroit, 10 ahead of Cleveland and Chicago. And, and Houston, the surprise team of the year. Uh, every time I, br- I bring up these baseball standings, you know, it, Houston continues to amaze, and uh, they're, they're still doing it. Like I said, second-best record in baseball at 49-36 and 36 coming into play tonight. 44-38, uh, and 38, the Angels behind them by 3.5. And, 
uh, although uh, leading the wild card race currently. Texas, seven games back. Seattle, 10. Oakland, 11. Uh, in the American League, Matt, any any major surprises, obviously, besides those Astros that jump out at you? Um, I know I talked with Andrew about it a little bit last week. Uh, Seattle's a team that kind of disappoints me. I'm a little surprised that Boston is as bad um, as they are. Um, and, and honestly, I'm a little surprised that the Yankees are as good as they are uh, so far this year. But if I had to pick my, my biggest surprise in the first half of the year in the, in the American League, it would have to be that, that Seattle is playing as poorly uh, as they are, obviously being outside of, uh, being outside of the, the Astros. They have, they're the biggest surprise in baseball to me. Yeah, outside of the Astros, um, my my pick would be Boston. I was I really thought that they would contend for the East this year. Um, like you said, the Yankees playing so well, surprising too. But um, at the same time, it's the Yankees, so it's tough to really be surprised. But um, Boston's just a team going into the season. I thought they uh, they had some nice young pieces that I thought were going to really pan out for them, and some of them are, but. Um, you know, by the record, it's it's not all coming together. I think they're probably two years away from being the Boston they were, but um, their pitching has just been atrocious. Not as bad as the Phillies, but bad. <laughs> yeah, and my my Orioles are a team that that is so up and down. They they had such a terrible start to the year. They only they were eighteen and ten, I think, tied for the best record in baseball uh, in the uh, in the month of June, and now have uh, have started the month of July. Uh, going into the night, which at last check I saw they were they were losing, um, but they they were two and two and five I think to start the month of July. So uh, very hot and cold. I think they're I think they definitely need to to upgrade uh, their starting rotation uh, here before before the All Star break to make any sort of a serious run. Uh, but that lineup has to gain consistency. Yeah, the Orioles down eight to two uh, right now in the bottom of the fifth to the Twins. So. Uh, you know, probably not a good night for Baltimore because when that lineup goes cold, it goes really cold. Let's go jump over to the National League. Uh, Washington uh, leading the East. The Mets three games back. Atlanta four and a half. Miami ten and a half. And Philadelphia. I mean, we know the story about them. Um, yeah. Still below, still below thirty wins. I think that's yeah. They're the only team that it still hasn't reached thirty. They're eighteen and a half back. Uh, St. Louis, like I said, leading the leading all of baseball, 54 and 29. Pittsburgh out in front of the wild card. Uh, they are 48 and 34, second best record in the National League, five and a half back in the uh, in their division. However, uh, the Cubs eight and a half back in the division. Cincinnati 15 and a half back. Milwaukee 19 back. And uh, in the out in the West, the Dodgers. 47 and 37. They're leading San Francisco five games back. Arizona six. Uh, San Diego eight and a half. Colorado 11. You know what's stunning about the Central? I mean, that has to be uh, probably the best story. Uh, and, and not only the Cardinals playing as well as they are, but the Cubs at 45 and 37. One of the teams that uh, you know you look that the Cubs, even though third place in their division, would be leading the AL East. They would only be two games uh, back in the AL Central, four games back in the West, a game back in the East, and uh, two games back in the in the NL West. So, you know, a Cubs team that, you know, we know the story, 100-plus seasons uh, since they won a World Series. And, and I'm not saying that they are World Series contenders, but um, 
you know, tied. Uh, they, they are currently sitting atop the second wild card spot in the National League. So you really hope, uh, personally, I really hope that the that the Cubs can keep that going through the second half. Um, they have to be, to me, one of, one of the surprises. I know I was talking to a guy uh, at work before the season started because he is a um, he is a Cardinals fan. But he 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 was um, we were talking about how good we thought the Cubs could potentially be, and uh, very surprising that they are uh, that they're here that they're still playing as well. Not not much of a threat from anybody behind them, but uh, you know there's some other teams in that wild card card race that they're going to have to contend with over the second half. So they have to be my surprise in the National League. Yeah, I mean I wasn't expecting much from the Cubs this year, and so it's. It's good to see them. I have no ill will towards them. Um, so if they, you know, kind of put on a run here during the season, I'll be okay with that. Uh, the Mets are another team that's kind of exceeding my expectations. Um, I did think they would be in second place in the East. I just didn't think they'd be there with the record that they have because I thought behind Washington, the rest of the East was just going to be a mess. And, uh, you know, Philly and Miami are kind of proving that. But Atlanta is even a little more competitive than I thought they would be. So um, the East as a whole could be really more interesting than I thought would be coming down the stretch here, especially if, you know, the Mets or Atlanta can um, pull off a trade and get someone in. Um, the Mets have just had terrible luck with injuries over the past, so it's nice to see them kind of staying healthy this year. Um and in the West, uh, I'm kind of surprised. Arizona was really bad earlier this year, and they're kind of starting to turn it around. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting out West, too, to see what really happens. But I think the team that wins the Central has to be the favorite to win the National League. I think so. They would be that team that would be standing out in front and 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 have the, uh, the the certain potential to be the the World Series favorite, and you know to to look at the American League and to to make a pick on who would win the American League at this point, it is hard to call. Uh, you know, I, I think the Yankees are having a great run if they can keep it going. Um, if a team like Baltimore or Tampa can can put a couple pieces together at the at near the trade deadline, I think that could be a good thing. Um, Kansas City, you can't rule them out. Obviously, they were there a year ago. Houston, uh, hard to hard to sit here in July and say that yeah, Houston should be a team that is going to win uh, the World Series or contend for the World Series. But in the same time, you know, four months ago to for, to be talking about uh, Houston being the best team in the American League, the second best team in all of baseball would have seemed like an absolutely crazy scenario. So, uh, you know, I, I guess you can't rule out, uh, I guess you can't rule out the Houston Astros for, to be uh, coming out of the American League in the World Series this year. Yeah, it's, it's not crazy to think that. <laughs> that could be the, the case. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that that that's going to wrap it up for baseball, Matt. Uh, let, let's move to some NFL news. And uh, and kind of stupid people stories um, coming out of this past week, and of course the Fourth of July. Hope everyone had a fun and safe uh, Independence Day holiday. 
Um, I hope everybody like me had the long weekend. Matt, of course, you being a teacher, you have the longest weekend of them all, three months. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it, it's, a, it's a great time to go out and, and, and have fun and celebrate and be around family and friends and to watch fireworks and, and uh, you know, just have an all-around great weekend. But uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, the uh, player for the New York Giants, defensive end, maybe got into a little bit too much fun. Um, Saturday night suffered a, a hand injury, a fairly substantial, uh, fairly severe uh, hand injury uh, that required hospitalization, uh, attempting to light fireworks. Um that there is going to be no uh, no loss of a, uh, any fingers or anything like that, but uh, the the repercussions of this injury, Matt, um, are are hurting him. You know, really, where you know, obviously the the physical pain of the, the, this injury with the fireworks has to be um, more than I can imagine. But uh, yesterday, the New York Giants withdrew their sixty million dollar long-term contract offer to Jason Pierre-Paul, um, of course, after suffering that injury. Um, obviously, given the timing of it and uh, the doctors still examining him for nerve damage and other issues relating to it. Uh, and, and, and honestly, this is the thing, and this is where the Giants kind of said, is the, um, you know, they, they did say that their concern is for his well-being, but the, the poor judgment, and I think that that's the thing that really stands out to me, is that, 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 that this accident, and I said it from the minute, yes, I hope he recovers. I hope he is fine. You never want to hear uh, anything like this. It's, it, it's a scary thing, but poor judgment. I mean, there's a reason that people are professionals at putting on fireworks displays. And, you know, it's one thing to have little, you know, snakes and sparklers or whatever, you know, the fun little things you can buy. But, but when you're talking about these serious, um, seriously, you know, major fireworks displays, I know I wouldn't, you know, risk doing that because, you know, you, you see things go wrong, you know, how many stories a year? from 4th of July fireworks displays where something went wrong, whether something didn't go off at the right time or, you know, there's just, there's just way too much. There's way too much to risk with, with, with these, uh, with these types of uh, fireworks. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. It's these athletes continue to confuse me with, you know, they have all this money, they can easily pay someone to do these things, you know. It's like the athlete who gets in his car drunk when he could have easily paid for a cab ride home. Um, you know, not to the severity, but at the same time, Pierre Paul could have easily just paid someone to, I mean, I saw he had a U-Haul full of fireworks. Easily could have paid someone that knew what they were doing to light them off for him and his family to enjoy. So, you know, I, I feel bad for him because, you know, you don't want to see this happen, but it's it's one of those injuries that's completely avoidable, so it's really hard to feel too bad for him. And now you have to wonder what the Giants are really going to do with all of this because, you know, they, they can take that 
franchise tag off the table, I believe, and I don't think anyone would blame them if they did. I certainly don't blame them for pulling back their long-term contract offer, considering at this point they don't, they're still thinking he could possibly miss regular season games, which is going to end up costing him more money too. Yeah, uh, if he misses any time in the regular season, $870,000 a week uh, he, he would be without um, if he signs the, uh, the the franchise tag. Um, like I said, you know, they rescinded that offer. It was also a, a criminal investigation um, because in the state of Florida, any firework that becomes airborne or explodes is illegal to use. I believe I saw, this was a report earlier from CBS Sports, I believe I saw that he has been cleared criminally, so at least that's a good thing for him, and uh, and he can focus on getting himself healthy. But, yeah, just a, just a crazy story, and I just – I. I'm with you, Matt. I, I don't understand sometimes where, uh, you know, the, the, the thoughts behind, uh, you know, what these guys do uh, when they're off the field. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a matter of because they have money and they have fame that it's just it, it almost becomes too easy for them to uh, get into trouble. Or if if they just don't know any better, or if it's an immaturity thing, I, I truly don't know what it is. But I, I I wish I could figure it out because you know the these these guys have so many opportunities that 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 folks like ourselves do not have, and and they just blow it all the time. I, I don't I don't get it. I I don't understand that mindset. Yeah, I mean it. They have to have someone around them that could, you know, act as the voice of reason, you know, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Um, I assume he's with family. Someone, I think, should have stepped in and said, you know, hey, you know, why don't we not like these explosives? Um, it, it's just confusing. I did see the, the criminal charges. Um, he still could be in some trouble. The one... Um, county that was investigated and determined that he was outside of their jurisdiction, so he's clear for okay. them, but he could still face charges from a different jurisdiction if it comes to that, which I doubt okay. it will. But, um, I mean, and if it does, it's probably a fine, which, I mean, he probably doesn't need since he doesn't, at this point, have a contract that he signed. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and and I would love to be able to sit here and say that he could, he could, uh, you know, other people could learn from this and that something like this or something to this level of stupidity is never going to happen again. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't think it ever will. Uh, and how's this for timing? Uh, I just saw a tweet pop up on my feed. At Andy Carlson show, he said, I think the internet's run out of JPP jokes. I'm impressed. I've got to hand it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Matt, I, I hopefully, you know, and I, and, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know your take on this, but like I said, hopefully, you know, ideally in a perfect world, every, you know, other NFL players, other athletes could look at a situation like this and learn from it and, and, and avoid the same problems. But I, you know, 
you know as well as I know, it's not the last time something this stupid is going to come across the newsreel. No, definitely not. I'm surprised it took this long, actually, this offseason for something to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, conflicting reports out of Dallas uh, over the last week or so, Matt, uh, as the Cowboys and, and Des Bryant uh, inching ever closer to that uh, doomsday clock, if you will, uh, in, in their quest to uh, get him signed or his quest to get signed long-term. The Cowboys, I guess, still wanting him to uh, sign the uh, franchise tag for this season. Adam Schefter reported Monday, despite reports that a deal could be coming this week, a deal doesn't sound like it's close. Um, CBS, uh, CBS's Jason Lock and Forrest says, Sounds like a deal isn't out of the questions this week. Expect things to continue to evolve and possibly conclude by by midweek, uh, which you know the, 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 tomorrow Thursday. I mean, we're we're a third of the way through midweek. If you're if you're talking about a week's time being a five days, of course the Cowboys placed the franchise tag on Des Bryant this offseason. He's yet to sign the tender, which would net him nearly thirteen million dollars. The deadline, like I said, is next Wednesday. July 15th for them to reach a long-term deal. Des Bryant has threatened to sit out the first game of the season uh, if no such deal is in place. He has recently shot Sunday night football promo that would be for the same game he's threatened not to attend. Uh, Bryant would cost $754,000 for each game that he skipped. Um, uh, Talks between the representatives for Bryant and Dallas yielded, quote, no progress, according to Bleacher Reports, uh, Jason Cole. So there's there's a lot of confusion out there, a lot of misreporting. Jason Cole cited three uh, main reasons why no progress is being made on the co- on the contract. One, the Cowboys believe Des Bryant is bluffing about missing games. Two, the Cowboys believe Bryant, Bryant ultimately needs the money. And three, the Cowboys are encouraged by Bryant's appearances at camp this offseason so a lot of misinformation out there a lot of uh a lot of different uh a lot of different things out there a lot you know no there's really no hard news on this but like i said last week with andrew um there's been more reports in since that time a week ago um that would suggest that the cowboys are are getting closer to a deal than farther away but, you know, to me, and I've said it, I've said it every time I talk about this, the Dallas Cowboys need to sign Des Bryant. This franchise tag to me is ridiculous for a guy that is as good as Des is, for as important to his, to the team and, and to the Cowboys and, and, and to the franchise, and I think the franchise is future. They need to get him under contract. And for Des, too, <clears throat> You know, if he goes out and gets hurt, um, then then you know, yeah, he gets the thirteen million this year, but he's never going to see the money that he should by getting it by getting a long term contract. I think the Cowboys uh, really, really need to step up and uh, and make this deal. Yeah, it's kind of confusing to me that it's taken this long. I mean, he clearly wants to be in Dallas, and when you have a player like Des Bryant wanting to be in there. Um, and from what I've read, and I don't know how true it is, it's not like he's asking for an obscene amount of money. He's asking for, you know, fair market value for his services, which is a top three 
receiver in the league. So it's confusing to me why it's taking so long for this deal to get done, um, especially when you have Romo who, has, who signed a ridiculous contract not too long ago. Um, so it's not like the, the team is you know hesitant to give contracts to players when they've earned it, and he certainly has at this point. So, I mean, as a Cowboys fan, you have to be frustrated, I'd imagine. I know it's confusing to me when, you know, a lot of the Eagles talent was going through this a couple of years ago before Chip kind of took over, um, you know, wanting to see these guys get signed and, and kind of being confused as to why it was taking so long to get deals done, namely with Deshaun Jackson. Oh, it's extremely frustrating as a Cowboys fan because you're looking at a situation where a couple of years ago you, you signed Romo to that huge contract uh, because, you know, you said they wanted him to be a Cowboy for life. Uh, but and they want him to to win a Super Bowl because they want him to go down as a great and they they've you know kept they've kept Jason Witten so long and in this offseason, like I said I think they made the smart decision to uh, to not overspend on Demarco Murray would I have loved to have had Demarco Murray back in Dallas absolutely I think he is I think he is a spectacular running back but I also think that in the in the landscape of today's NFL and I think with the offensive line that the Cowboys have, you don't need to overspend at that position. However, because of Romo and because of the tight window that I think Romo has left, um, you know, he's, he's in his mid thirties going on his late thirties. He's had the back problems. Um, he, he's not getting any younger. So why are you going to, why are you going to leave the, the possibility up to, you know, not having Des Bryant there and not, and doing something that's going to insult him where, you know, yeah, he might sign that tender for this year because ultimately he's going to want to play. But a year from now, he might be so insulted he leaves Dallas like DeMarco Murray did. And then you have a bunch of, you know, first, second, or third-year wide receivers with a quarterback that only has maybe one or two years left in him to make that push for the Super Bowl that's eluded you since the mid-'90s. So, I think the Cowboys are are playing with it with a grenade here, and the pin is getting awful loose. Speaking of Cowboys playing with a grenade, do you think they should cut ties with McLean at this point? Yeah, I mean that that'll that'll kind of that's a that's a perfect segue here, kind of tie into the next thing we're talking about. Um, you know, obviously, you have the Greg Hardy suspension, um, which is currently sitting at ten games and is going through appeals. But uh, last week it was announced that, uh, that yeah, Rolando McClain is going to miss the first four games of the season um, because of a uh, failed drug test. I, I think if it was up to me, um, you know, McClain did better than I expected him to a year ago. He really did. Um, but he, he's now getting back into these problems this offseason that, that he's had throughout his entire career. The guy can't get out of his own way. And I, if I'm making the decisions in Dallas, I'm cutting him. Because as talented as he is, you can't deny the talent. You really can't. Um, you can't trust him. You just can't trust him. Um, and I would rather have a guy who is half as talented as Rolando McClain that's guaranteed to give you a hundred percent on the field and who will be on the field every single week. Um, yeah, I, I, I would cut McLean. What would you do if you were in that situation? I mean, 
is, this is his fourth time, is this correct? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at this point, it, it's tough because, you, you know, you're right, he's a very talented guy, but you can't keep making excuses just because he's talented. You know, you, you have to have players that you can rely upon, and when you, know, you have someone that's continually breaking rules like this, it's tough to justify keeping them around over people that, you know, do follow the rules and are not given this shot because, you know, they're not as talented. Um, you know, I, last year the Eagles went through with Lane Johnson. It was disappointing, and, you know, that was his first time. If it would happen a second and third time, I'm going to become less likely to want to keep Lane Johnson around even though he's, you know, one of the best offensive linemen on the team and a very talented guy, but you can't just have these guys who may miss four games out of the season and really, you know, put a damper on the plans, especially for the Cowboys who, you know, their defense struggled last year with injuries. So when you have a guy that's not injured and missing games, it's even more frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And and looking over since the, uh, since the end of the Super Bowl, uh, you've had uh, Josh Gordon, and this is either uh, drugs or uh, performance-enhancing drug suspension for this upcoming season. Josh Gordon out for the entire year. Laron Landry will miss 10 games if he is ever signed. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt missing one game. That comes back to all the way to the beginning of last season uh, when he had the uh, marijuana arrest. Le'Veon Bell uh, also was connected to that. He'll miss three games. Victor Butler, Eben Britton. Uh, Trey Watts, like I said, Rolando McLean, Sheldon Richardson, uh, and, and Antonio Gates will all miss four games. Antonio Gates, the PED one there, that one really surprised me, uh, uh, honestly. Um, Deion Jordan will miss an entire season. And then um, Marcel Darius, Ahmad Bradshaw, Detone uh, Jones will miss uh, each one game. But here's the thing. like This, this is the question that I always say. Um, whether it's one game you miss, whether it's four games, or eight games, a full season, whatever it is, I mean, that's that's just in February. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen players um, in a in a uh, what is it five month span? Yeah, that that have have faced either drug or uh, performance enhancing drug, and then like I said, you go back up to. Um, you know, there's there's other. Uh, you've had you know Greg Hardy, his uh, domestic abuse suspension at ten games, and Tom Brady's suspension, which is uh, which is uh, involved in appeal, and, and I think will get worked down to uh, two games or one game. I I don't think Brady's going to miss all four, but I mean you're you're talking a significant number of games. But you're looking at these PED and drug suspensions. The question always comes up to me. And it's 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 this it's, and it's this simple. Why, how, like how stupid do you have to be? How stupid do you have to be to put things into your body that that are illegal? Like how hard is it to not screw up? How hard is it? when you have, you know, money and resources at your disposal, how do you screw up? And how, like, is it really that hard to not smoke pot? Whether you agree, and I, and I understand, like, you know, there, there's states that are legalizing marijuana, and I get that. 
But here's the thing. If you live in a state that, that legalizes marijuana, but your employer, it's against your, your rules from where you work, you still can't smoke marijuana. Like, the, the, your job overrides that situation. Like, the, the, the job can say you can't be – I think when you live in Colorado and they legalize marijuana, do you want your brain surgeon high when he comes in to work on you? You know, right. like, like the, you know, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's illegal, but I don't, I don't want him to do it. And I get these guys are athletes, but how hard is it just to follow a rule? Just don't smoke freaking weed. Like, it's not hard, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's crazy that, I mean, we've had this conversation time and again on this show, and I, this won't be the last time, you know, like we said with the JPP thing. This isn't the last time we'll talk about this, but, you know, and it's infuriating even when it's marijuana more so than performance-enhancing drugs, you know. The Gates thing, I kind of understood because he's coming back from an injury, so I understand, you know, sometimes just, you know, wanting to get back and sometimes that's prescribed and whatnot. But, I mean, with marijuana, you know, as Notre Dame fans, we had to be frustrated with Bryant going to be out for four games now because of marijuana violations. And it's it's confusing. You know the rules at this point. You have to. Like, at what point has it ever been okay to smoke weed if you're an NFL player? You know they drug test you. And, you know, you're in the game for 12 years probably tops as the average, 10, 12 years. You know, earn your money, and when you're done, move to Colorado or Washington and smoke all the weed you want. But you can't be doing it while you're an athlete. And it's I don't know why this is still such a hard concept for some athletes to grasp. Yeah, I think the average uh, the average career lifespan of an NFL player is, is something like three or four seasons. They're really that hard to not uh, to not smoke weed for three or four years. I mean, I'm 30 years old, and and uh, I mean, I, I I've never smoked, so I don't know how hard it is for these guys. But you know, I, I also I also don't have. I guess maybe. It's a lifestyle thing because when you have, um, you know, you, you probably have it at your disposal when you're in that spot. So, I, you know, I don't um, – I, I guess it's easier to sit here and, and, and say that. But, man, it it, it, bl- it blows my mind when these guys, um, you know, risk their career for, for a, you know, what is it, two-hour high, three-hour high, whatever it is. It, it just absolutely blows my mind. Matt, the last thing out of the NFL – uh, tonight, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, obviously quarterback for the Seahawks, continues to kind of hint that he wants to be a uh, a two-sport athlete. Uh, when asked about uh, if he uh, if he prefers to uh, which sport does he prefer to play, he answered both. He asked, "Will he ever play both?" He said, "I have no idea. I believe if anybody could do it, I could, uh, and I believe God." God put me and gave me the ability to do it. I've done it my whole life. Um, he, he said that he uh, would consider playing baseball and football at the same time if his baseball rights were traded to the uh, to the Seattle Mariners. Obviously, and we know Bo Jackson did it. Deion Sanders did it. 
Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on, on Russell Wilson maybe having a desire or, or if he ever would uh, play to sports being such a high-profile position as, as quarterback and captain and leader of a team um, and potentially risking uh, risking injury or something like that playing baseball? And obviously from a baseball standpoint, football being a much uh, – a much more dangerous thing. I mean, you and I as Notre Dame fans, Jeff Samarja played both in college, uh, but opted to play baseball instead of play football. Um, you know, for me, I mean, I guess if he could do it, you know, let him do it. But, but I have a hard time believing that uh, the Seahawks and or the Mariners uh, would, would be comfortable with, with a star like that um, playing, playing both sports. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive when they, they can do it, but I'm, I'm like, racking my brain, and I'm, Dion's the last one that did it, isn't that correct? Uh, at least that I can remember, yes. So, I mean, it, I think that's for a reason, is because the, the sports are just, there's such a liability um, and, you know, such a, a danger to, you know, not a danger, but a risk that each, each team is going to take here, you know, having like a franchise quarterback playing a different sport when, you know, there's a clear risk of injury, which, I mean, we'll get to later with golf and Rory McIlroy, but, I mean, any crazy thing can happen. And if I'm the owner or GM of a football franchise, I don't want my franchise quarterback playing a different sport. And that would probably go even more so in baseball. I wouldn't want my ace pitcher playing football. (laughs) So it's, I think, and it's, this isn't a knock on Wilson because he's a tremendous athlete, but I, he just doesn't give off the freak athlete vibe that I, you get when you think of a Deion Sanders or a Bo Jackson. Um, so it's if they let him do it and he can do it, then it's great, and I'll, I'll certainly watch his performances, but I, just, I do not see it happening. Yeah, no, when it's such a high-profile position, um, you know, as a football owner, I certainly wouldn't want my quarterback who is, uh, who is in, in my opinion, by and large, the most important position on the field, um, risking injury anywhere else. And, and invite, you know, in, in the reverse, you know, I, I believe, you know, I don't know what position he'd play in baseball, but I wouldn't want, um, you know, one of my more talented baseball players uh, playing quarterback in the NFL. So um, definitely a story to keep tabs on, and we will do that. Matt, we're going to take a short break here. On the other side, we're going to talk some golf and uh, some, some hockey and a little bit of odds and ends stuff to wrap up the show. Stay tuned, everyone, for hour number two on the uh, Tuesday timeout here on NGSCSports.com.
Welcome back to the Tuesday timeout here on NGSCSports.com. I'm your host, Big Jim. You can find me on Twitter at Big Jim Sports, Facebook.com slash Big Jim Sports. Um, we are here in hour number two, Tuesday, July 7th, 2015. We have our co-host, Matt, on the line with us. We're going to talk about a little bit of golf here. Um, obviously, coming uh, coming off the uh, U.S. Open a few weeks ago where he made a made a pretty strong push towards the uh, – to try and uh, win the uh, championship, ultimately won by Jordan Spieth, a guy that uh, you know really had a tremendous second half of the golf season a year ago. Uh, this year uh, was was hoping to prime up as we are getting ready for the uh, the British Open this month, uh, heading towards the heading towards the uh, you know the the Tour Championship and and the FedEx Cup and all of that towards the end of this year. But Rory McIlroy, defending uh, world number one, defending uh, champion of the Open Championship, the British Open, very much in danger of uh, of missing that as this past weekend. Um, he ru- ruptured an ankle ligament playing soccer uh, with, uh, with some friends of his. He, uh, 26-year-old, wrote uh, on, his, on an Instagram post, quote, total rupture of left ATFL, which is an ankle uh, ankle ligament and associated joint capsule damage in a soccer kickabout with friends. He has said he is continuing to assess the extent of the injury and treatment plan day by day. Rehab has already started. Uh, BBC golf correspondent Ian Carter said, quote, this could not have come at a worse time and the wisdom of having a kickabout is sure to be questioned. Clearly it was a freak accident at a time when McElroy was relaxing Ahead of the most important period of the season, the fact is it is uh, the fact that it is his left ankle is also problematic. This is the side he hits towards and that bears his weight through the impact and follow through. Uh, Dr. Peter Larkins, a, a an Olympic steeplechaser who now provides insight uh, on uh, Australian rules football for television, said the recovery time for such a ruptured ankle ligament could be up to 12 weeks. It's six weeks wearing a moon boot, six weeks of physi- uh, you know, of, of physical therapy, uh, he told BBC Sports. Uh, he could potentially play at the Open, but it would be very tricky and depends how much pain he can tolerate. Um, if the ankle's very loose and swollen, he couldn't imagine him walking around for the um, duration of the tournament. So a very, a very, I mean, there's never a good time. Uh, to suffer an injury like this, but uh, you know, for a guy that um, had won, you know, the the closing majors last year was like I said, close um, at the at the U.S. Open this year, and was going, uh, you know, really going to try to uh, make a strong push at the end of this year. Um, just a very unfortunate, very unfortunate injury, Matt. Yeah, it's it's tough because. And he's such a hot name right now. And, uh, I mean, people are really starting to get invested in the sport again. You know, we've talked before about, you know, how important he is to the game. Um, Kind of him and Spieth and Ricky Fowler to an extent. Kind of, you know, bringing in that new generation of golfers that people really get excited about. So it's really unfortunate that he's, you know, not going to be around, maybe. I mean, he could possibly play, but I doubt it. 
um, to kind of, you know, keep this rivalry thing going and uh, make this this kind of showdown between one and two uh, more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously obviously, I'm not a an athlete um, by any stretch of the word, but, you know, I, I suffered a pretty nasty ankle sprain a couple uh, years ago. And, you know, I, once even once I was healed, the first couple rounds of golf that I played, um, it didn't feel great, I'll be honest. So, like I said, and that was that was on my right foot. And I'm a you know, right-handed golfer, so, you know, that's not even my weight-bearing foot. So, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what, what Rory can do here. And, yeah, like you said, it, it, it's critical not only for him, but the sport. Um, and when you see him win two majors and you see Spieth win two, you really got to think that, you know, these, these are going to be the two guys that are just going to be, fans are going to be one of tuning in and, and watch fight it out. And now you're, you're sitting in a potential where your next big major, you're going to be missing one of those two critical pieces. Yeah. And I mean, it, it has happened where, you know, people have played on injuries, you know, like Tiger did before with his knee. I mean, he was at this point, Tiger's still playing injured. I'm sure I don't think he'll ever be fully healthy, but um, you don't want to see a guy go out there and, you know, not be able to play at his best because of this and possibly, you know, do further damage. So I'm hoping that, you know, even though I'd love to see him play because he is a, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, I'm hoping he just takes the time off that he needs to get healthy and, uh, you know, renew this rivalry somewhere down the line, which, uh, you know, from what I've read, it shouldn't be too, too long. Right. And by all accounts, these guys, uh, you know, should be around for years to come. So I, I would like you, I would much rather, um, see him take the time off, get healthy and, and, you know, have these battles next year with two healthy guys. The last thing I want to see, and the, really the last thing, um, the last thing golf needs is for for a guy that is unhealthy to go out and, and embarrass himself because that's going to get negative publicity, as we've seen with Tiger. Um, although with Tiger this past weekend, and, and we'll segue to this uh, at the Greenbrier Classic um, for for at least a a, a brief fleeting moment um tiger looked a little bit more like himself uh this past weekend um rounds of 66 69 71 and 67 finished minus five uh in in in, at the greenbrier classic um which i believe the uh the champion finished at if i can get it uh if i can pull it up here i believe the, the the champion was at minus 13 mm-hmm. yes minus 13 was the champion so i mean to to be excited about tiger being eight shots off the off the winner is, is something that you know years ago would have been laughed at but um you know i think and i'm, I'm not going to sit here and say tiger's back um because and i even i think said it on, on twitter to some people this weekend is i was like look you need to tap the brakes when when people want to want to use things like is he back 
can't we just enjoy him playing like this for once instead of just wondering, is he back or is is this a fluke or whatever it is? Uh, a couple of articles I was looking at, though, point some things out. Like, you know, if we want to look for that hope, if we want to look for that, you know, flicker of, of whatever it is that, that we hope for Tiger to be back, um, here's a couple of numbers that, that in, in the first set is, this is from an article on uh, CBS Sports, 71 and 69, and then five. That was 2004. 12 Greenbrier Classic where Tiger missed the cut missed the cut the number of wins he racked up the following season so he shot a 71 in his 69 and then the following season won five rounds this year of course 66 69 71 and 67 but the number that stands out to me and as a guy and of course I just lost the window my my computer froze out but the gist of it is, and I don't know the exact number, but Tiger Woods uh, at the Greenbrier Classic this past weekend ha- had his best um, in terms of uh, hitting the greens closest to the pin, had the best uh, tournament of his entire career. That is a number to me that shows you're looking at a guy that, yes, he's older, yes, He's not going to hit the ball as far off the tee as he used to or anything like that. But a guy that is beginning to really get healthy and throughout these, 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 all these swing changes that he's had, um, he is beginning to settle into what this new swing is. He's getting more comfortable with it. And he's been out and he's been playing a lot, practicing a lot, which he had been limited at because of these injuries. As a guy who's a Tiger fan that is just hoping, not that he's going to make this long, impressive run, but that is holding out hope that we at least, excuse me, see him win one more major. Because I've kind of given up on hope of seeing him break Jack's record, but I'd love to see him win one more major. This, that number there, at least gives me hope, because that means he is hitting the greens with more precision this past weekend than at any other point is in, in his entire career. Yeah, I mean, he had three great rounds going into the last day, and, you know, he shot a one-over on the last day, but um, I, I didn't watch, but from what I've read about it, for him to finish with a one-over is still pretty impressive because, I mean, I, I hear he just had a disastrous back nine, uh, you know, a couple bogeys, a double bogey is, a shot off the tee on a 616-yard par 5 went 190 yards off course, and he still finished with just a bogey on that hole. So um, I'd say it's it's promising what we saw out of this, even with the bad fourth day. And even a bad fourth day was just a one over par. So, I mean, I'm like you. I don't want to say Tiger's back, but judging by what I've read about, you know, how he was able to finish this day um, and kind of put together some nice, you know, a nice few holes, I, I think we can see a Tiger that's at least going to be somewhat competitive in the near future. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, if he if he kept his driver in the bag or, or wouldn't even bring it to the course, I think he'd be even 
even much better. And finally, in golf tonight, Jason Day, who of course we saw at the U.S. Open, had the had the uh, dizziness problems with related to the vertigo. Uh, they finally discovered what's wrong with it. I guess he had a viral infection that kind of settled into his uh, right inner ear. It is being treated, and uh, he is uh, going to play in the uh, in the Open Championship, the British Open, next week. So, uh, very good news that they did, they determined the problem because I know personally when I had it. Uh, when I had vertigo years ago, it, it, it took quite a uh, it was quite a journey over a month uh, for them to actually determine what uh, what was the problem and what was causing it. So um, through through blood work and, and sleeping tests and all different things, they they determined and that he is going to uh, going to make the trek over to St Andrews and play in the Open Championship next weekend. Um, and, and a guy that, I, you know, with Rory out, and, and it's hard to believe Spieth would get another win. Um, not saying this is my pick. I'll make my pick next week. But um, a guy that I kind of have a soft spot for right now and, and I'm definitely going to be pulling for next weekend. Yeah, I mean, the, the more competitive guys we can get, especially with the McElroy injury, uh, the better. And, you know, you certainly like to see guys finally find out what's wrong with them and, you know, figure out how they can treat it. So it's, it's very encouraging, um, and, you know. I, I try to pull for Fowler, but you know, I, I have no problem rooting for Day either. Yeah, and and Ricky, I mean, I I love Fowler. I think uh, you know he's a guy that um, that has you know a lot of potential and, and gets gets a lot of uh, a lot of eyes on him, uh, but just seems to have trouble kind of reeling it in. Um, you know, when, uh, when it matters most. So I always hope that Rick can get the win too. Obviously I'll make the, uh, my official pick, uh, next on next week's show, a couple of big hockey trades to talk about Matt. The ones that uh, free agency opened last Wednesday, um, deals were made of the, the, the big one on, on the first day of free agency, Toronto Maple Leafs traded Phil Kessel, Tyler Biggs, Tim Erickson, and a conditional second round draft pick to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for uh, Kasperi Kapanen, Scott Harrington, Nick Spalling, and a conditional first and third round draft pick. Um, really, you know, this is one, and the thing that blew me away about this deal is that uh, as part of it, salaries are, uh, the way the, the, the salary breakdown is, you know, Pittsburgh doesn't, uh, doesn't absorb all of that hit. Um, to me, I mean, I know Toronto's kind of in a blow it up, start it over again mode, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm like stunned that not only did did Kessel go to Pittsburgh, but the way this deal was made, and and you know, you have to think with this, you know, if if Pittsburgh can can solidify their back end a little bit on the blue on the blue line, that. You know, c- come September, October, when we make these predictions, um, they're they're going to be one of the favorites, I would think. Uh, is Flurry still a goalie for the Penguins? Unfortunately for them, yes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too concerned. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a great ad for them. It, it really is, and their front wall, their you know top line is just unbelievably talented. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, scored every time they're on the ice, but it's just, it's confusing to me because they have so much money tied up in so few players already that to add a big contract 
I think they're paying 6.8 of the 8 million I read somewhere. Um, it's just, I don't know how they're going to fill out the roster at this point. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it works because, um, you know, all jokes aside, that is a dangerous team um, throughout the season. And if they make the playoffs, especially, they're just going to be a force. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out because, I mean, they still need two defensive pairings at this point and two wings. And I think they have about $4 million in cap space. So um, I'm going to be anxious to see who all is wearing a Penn sweater come October because I, I don't think they can add really anyone of substance at this point. It's going to have to be, you know, minor league guys at this point. Yeah, it's, it's going to be tricky, and, and I'm sure, you know, Pittsburgh is is not done, but uh, definitely one that, that made the headlines uh, on that day, then the very next day, my Washington Capitals made uh, made a made a pretty big splash, trading Troy Brower, minor league goaltender Phoenix Copley, and a third round draft pick next year to the St. Louis Blues for T.J. Oshie. This is one that really, you know, I, I think benefits both teams. Um, you know, the, there's been there's been talk that uh, Oshie just didn't kind of fit in with the Blues' plans and. Um, it didn't work so much in, in Ken Hitchcock's system. Um, but, you know, we've seen at times this flashes of so uh, so much brilliance and, and so much greatness that, you know, for the Capitals to get him on a line with Ovechkin and Backstrom, I mean, theoretically that's where he's going to be. Seems like a great deal. Troy Brower, a tremendous leader in the locker room, I think, you know, it, it, it kind of sucks for the Cavs to lose him in this deal. But, um, you know, for me, I'm thrilled. I love T.J. Oshie. It, when, when, I, when I saw this uh, deal come across, um, I, I couldn't believe it. it. It was great. Yeah, he's a very good player to have on your team. Um, you know, as anyone who watched the Olympics would know, at least in the shootout. But, I mean, he, he averages about 20 goals a season, 60 points for 82, which is – you know, really a productive player. You know, he's not going to be an all-star, you know, putting up huge numbers, but he's going to contribute enough that, you know, his presence is going to be one that's going to enhance the value of an already phenomenal scorer in Ovechkin. And, uh, I mean, he's he's a two-way player, and it's it's a good ad for the Caps. Um, You know, we, we always talk about the talent on the Caps locker room, and um, I think at this point he would maybe put them over the hump, you know, maybe get them past where they've kind of been stuck the past few seasons in regards to the playoffs. He's, he's a guy that can really come in and change the pace of the game when they need it to. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, because they, they seem to to really have, have been, you know, only getting past the first round what a handful of times in, in the last 10 to 15 years and, um, you know, getting bounced in the first round plenty of times. So uh, it, it's something they need to they they definitely need to address. And and from the early uh, the early look of it, and in, in the off season and, and in this uh, free agent and um, you know trading period, it looks like the Caps are at least uh, at least willing to uh, to be doing that. And finally, in, in hockey, um, 
Connor McDavid, this year's number one overall pick to the Edmonton Oilers, uh, made his debut of sorts uh, yesterday. Um, the the intra-squad, um, there was an intra-squad scrimmage as part of the development camps that are open uh, across the National Hockey League this week. Um, Connor McDavid, of course, made his debut. Uh, he scored five goals uh, in, in that, uh, in that scrimmage game. Um, I believe it was, there were somewhere around seven, uh, 7,300 fans there. Um, so definitely a good, uh, a good introduction for him. Um, I think some of the, the, the national media made a little bit too big of a deal out of this considering what it was, but, um, you know, good to see their first round pick out on the ice and, and fitting in seemingly well, uh, for, uh, you, you know, with with some of the the line mates uh, as part of whatever you know part of this uh, this camp and everything, and and but by all accounts, um, had had a pretty strong uh, had a pretty strong you know start to his uh, time in Edmonton. Yeah, he's certainly going to be a player of interest for me this season. Um, you know, had the the highest touted prospect since Crosby. So, um, you know, of course, you're going to want to see if he lives up to the hype. And um, you know, hockey in Canada is when they have a good team and an exciting player like this. I think it really bodes well for the NHL. And um, even just a casual hockey fan, you know, we've talked about this during the NHL playoffs. Kind of how when Canada gets into it, um, it really kind of intrigues the the casual hockey fan because you know they they start to understand the passion behind the game, and uh, so. I think his career in Edmonton, I hope it all works out. And um, I'm going to be excited to see what he does this year. Yeah, I certainly will too. It's been a long time since the, uh, since the Oilers were, um, you know, one of the teams near the top of the league and, and they've had plenty of chances to put people uh, in, in those positions. Um, A little, one college football story met tonight. There'll be one NBA story. And then, uh, then we're going to kind of wrap it up here. But uh, Florida State uh, has dismissed quarterback DeAndre Johnson. Uh, Andrew and I talked about a little bit of a, a week ago, the situation of uh, an altercation with uh, him and a, uh, and a bar uh, and, a, and hitting, a, hitting a woman. Uh, the video of the, the incident uh, has since come out. Uh, he, I mean, he 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 straight up punched her in the face. I mean, there's no way around it. Um, his uh, his lawyer, his legal team, has said that uh, it was uh, it was because the the female was the aggressor in the situation that she had. Uh, you know, I mean, if you, you look on the video, she does take a swing at him. Uh, the, allegedly, she uh, used some racial language towards him. Um, but I mean, ultimately here, you know, this is a thing and I'm not justifying anything she did, but a few questions that came up to me. First off, the kid's 19 years old. What is he doing a at a bar and B buying drinks? Um, Florida state, man. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Did those drinks come with crab legs? Um, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, in, in all seriousness, you know, what is a 19-year-old doing at a bar? Why, upon 
that you know, and then what you do once you find out that he hit a woman, you know, why was he still on the team? I called him the last week. I called him to question, you know, Jimbo Fisher, you know, and saying that you know he, you know, his his character flaws as a head coach and a leader of that team. Um, now, granted, yes, you know, and, and I mean in the video it appears he kind of grabs her arms first and then she swings at him and he hits her in the face. So I'm not necessarily saying that the woman is innocent here. But the bottom line is this. As a as males, you don't hit females. You don't punch a woman. Plain and simple. I'm happy that Florida State has now dismissed him from the team. But I question what took that long. I really question what took that long. And if we hadn't seen the video... Would they have done it? Like, is this just because, you know, is it kind of like the Ray Rice thing? That because you've seen the video, you have to act on it. Um, You know, does that make, not not necessarily domestic violence, but some sort of violence, does that make it worse? Like, I mean, why why should that make it worse? Shouldn't the fact that the incident happened make it worse? I mean, you, you have a situation, and I'm not the trying to, you know, bring clouds over their victory parade. But I tweeted it out on Sunday. Ray Rice hasn't played in the NFL since, you know, since his arrest. Hope Solo is being celebrated as as an American sports hero. Mm -hmm. So there's there's like a funny conflict of interest there. Like I said, I'm at least happy Florida State kicked him off, but, but an ugly story. An unfortunate story. Uh, Florida State made the right choice in dismissing him. Just, just something you never like to see. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, and I had tweeted this out when it came, I I can't see them dismissing him if that video doesn't come out. Um, just based on what we saw with Jameis Winston, where you know he was kind of given a pass and I'm not even really talking about the the allegations against them. I'm talking more so against, you know, everything else, you know, walking around campus with a BB gun and, you know, the crab legs thing. And then he gets a one-game suspension for standing up in the middle of the student union building and, you know, shouting out an Internet meme. Um, it's the whole handling of his situation makes me believe or makes it hard to believe that, if this video isn't out, um, it's kind of like the Ravens where, you know, it's maybe, you know, a one, two game suspension and, uh, you know, a public apology. And then it turns into, oh, well, you know, now we have to do something. And so we did it. So whatever the reason is behind them doing it, they did the right thing. It's just, and I, it, it's tough to say that, you know, and, I don't want to, you know, harp on Florida State, you know, despite my opinion of them. Um, you know, I just I don't want to just pile on, but given their track record, it's tough for me to think that, you know, this punishment comes about for any other reason than it's a national media thing at this point. Yeah, I look at I look at a university and and a program that since um that, that, that since Bobby Bowden has left, just is not, you know, not what it used to be. 
And, it, you know, I think it's kind of a shame. Matt, just two other quick things tonight. An NBA story that, that just made me laugh. Um, veteran Matt Bonner uh, had a little bit of struggles this year. I don't know if you saw this. Had a little bit of struggles this year shooting the basketball. He thinks he narrowed down uh, the, the cause of his injury, and he thinks it relates to his new iPhone 6. Um, he's, he says, quote, I hate to make excuses. I was raised to never make excuses but I went through a two-and-a-half-month stretch where I had a really bad tennis elbow, and during that stretch it made it so painful for me to shoot I'd almost be cringing before I even caught the ball. Uh, Every day, everybody's going to find this hilarious, but here's my theory. When I got the new iPhone when it came out, it was way bigger than the last one, and I think because I got that new phone, it was a strain to use it. You have to stretch further to hit the buttons, and I honestly think that's how I ended up developing it. Now, I, I don't play professional basketball. Right. Um, you know, I golf. And, uh, you know, I, I have a job where I, you know, I, I, work with, I work with my hands. I work in, in tight spaces. I work with microphones. So there's a lot of detailed work with my hands. I went from an iPhone 5 to an iPhone 6 Plus. Not even just the 6, the 6 Plus. And I have not had any sort. I mean, you were you you and you and uh, our friend Ryan were with me the day that I bought this. Um, mm-hmm. This was back in March. I mean, this is months ago. And uh, and I use my phone extensively. I use it all the time. I have not had any sorts of problems uh, with any sort of uh, tendonitis, tennis elbow, any elbow problems. You know, hand problems, nothing. Since since I got my new phone, uh, so I'm not I'm not calling this a lame excuse, but uh, it it sounds pretty lame. Uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, to to see his three point percent has dropped from forty one to thirty six <laughs> to blame it on a phone. I mean. The guy's hands are so huge, it, it's tough for me to imagine that, you know, the tiny phone in his hand is going to make a difference either way. Um, but, hey, if if that's the case, you know, put the phone down and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's you know, hire somebody, hire somebody to tweet and text for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much time Matt Bonner's spending on his cell phone that it would, you know, cause him to develop tennis elbow, but um, maybe take some of the time you are on the phone and, you know, practice your three-pointers, and maybe that percentage will go back up to 41 <laughs> for you next Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And the last thing, real quick, uh, Andrew and I uh, kind of gave our predictions for Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest this past weekend. Uh, both of us had picked Joey Chestnut to win his ninth uh, ninth competition in a row. The king has been dethroned, Matt, this past weekend. Matt Stoney, the the newcomer, 23 years old, uh, dethroned the 31-year-old veteran. Stoney uh, eating 62 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Joey Chestnut, 60. Um, I always love watching this. It's always a fun thing to watch. Um, But, and uh, you know, the whole time I, I was, like, sitting in shock because Chestnut jumped out to the early lead. And Stoney just built up, and once he passed him, uh, Chestnut could not, reco- could not recover. 
and uh, we have a new hot dog champion. Uh, so I don't know if this is the last we've heard of Joey Chestnut, but for for one year, uh, the the king has been dethroned. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch this year. Um, I usually make it a point to, and I was really busy this year um, and didn't get a chance to see it. But um, I read about the guy afterwards, and I just now pulled his Wikipedia up again. It's just uh, Matt Stoney does have some some fantastic world records in eating, including 32 and a half Indian tacos in eight minutes and a Ooh. five pound burrito zilla in one minute 50 seconds so um i see great things in his competitive eating future if he keeps on this pace yeah i just pulled that up as well a five pound birthday cake in eight minutes 59 seconds (laughs) Uh, 24 gyros in 10 minutes 14.75 pounds of poutine which if you don't know what poutine is it's basically french fries with gravy uh, a a twenty point eight pound pumpkin pie in in eight minutes, uh, one hundred and twenty Twinkies in six minutes, one hundred eighty two um, yeah. slices of bacon in five minutes. Man, holy that, crap. that is a lot of bacon. That is a lot of bacon. That's like what Michael Phelps has for breakfast. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, some pretty impressive numbers. So you're looking at a guy that. Uh, you know, may you know we always talk about in golf who's going to be the next Tiger Woods, who's going to be the next this. Um, you know, if if you know Joey Chestnut has been the benchmark for competitive eating, uh, I think we have our new Joey Chestnut, and he is Matt Stoney, uh, an impressive win, sixty-two hot dogs in ten minutes. Matt, uh, that that's going to be it for tonight. Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter, and then we'll close it up. I am on Twitter. It's at three CT, the number three, then the letters three, the letters CT, A Philly, as in Philadelphia, and the number eight. So three CT, affiliate. Uh, I'm on there pretty often. I'm usually talking wrestling on Mondays, and the rest of the week is usually dedicated to movies and sports. So um, if you want to talk to Sixers, hit me up there. I'm, I'm been tweeting about them almost ad nauseum at this point. So I'm always open for discussion, um, and I I don't mind getting in some healthy debates as well. All right, very good, Matt. Thanks for joining in, and we'll talk to you again soon, bud. Yep, my pleasure. Have a good night. You as well. Again, thanks, for Matt, for joining. Thanks for all the ones who uh, responded to the uh, poll question tonight. I appreciate the feedback as we continue to grow the show and the uh, and, and the outreach of that. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening. Remind everyone about NGSCSports.com, where we are live each and every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can also podcast not only my show, but all the shows on the NGSC Sports by going to Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app and searching NGSC. You can get this show directly by going to your podcast store and search Big Jim Sports and you'll get it there each and every week automatically if you subscribe. Again, follow me on Twitter at BigJimSports, Facebook.com slash BigJimSports, and be back here next Tuesday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on NGSCSports.com. And as I always say, go for the win.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.